0: So if you just observe yourself, you might notice if you're denying something that's already happened, if you're fighting something that you cannot change, if you're ignoring reality. Once you observe yourself carefully enough, you start to see the reality that happened. And like I said, you don't have to like it. It's probably something painful if you've been struggling with it, right? It's unwelcomed, but it's your reality. And it's not going to change. So you have to practice accepting it.
1: Hey, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today, I'm here with Dr. Perry Mandanis, adult and child psychiatrist with 25 years of experience in the mental health field. You can connect with Dr. Perry on Instagram at perry.mandanis. Dr. Perry, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you, really?
0: Thank you, Fran. I'm really pretty good. Um, You know, I think uh, right now, that's a great question. How are you, really? Because the pandemic, I think, has been hard on everybody in a lot of different ways. Um, But I'm doing well. Thank you very much.
1: I'm so glad you're doing well. And I completely agree. During the pandemic, we've all learned a lot about ourselves and our mental health and really came in touch with our emotions and how we're coping. So it is a really important question to ask, but I have to ask because you have the most incredible story about perseverance and radical acceptance that really started the day before you opened your own practice. Can you share your story with us?
0: Sure. You know, um, when you become a doctor and uh, you got to go to college four years, then medical school four years. Then I did three years of pediatrics residency. Then I did two years of child psych residency. Then I did two more years of adult and family. And it was that time when I was ready to graduate and open an office and hang a shingle on my door. I had rented an office and decorated it. And the day before I was gonna open the office, I was moving my desk into the office. And while moving the desk, unfortunately, I fell down a flight of stairs and broke my back and injured my spinal cord and became wheelchair dependent on that day for the rest of my life. That was like 30 something years ago. Um, That was really tough. I ended up in the hospital for the better part of a year. Um, I was often in denial about the fact that I was going to need a wheelchair. I think you referenced my podcast, Couch Stories, when we were chatting earlier. Um, I tell that story about how I rented a wheelchair for something like 11 months and kept ignoring my physical therapist's uh, advice that I buy one because I just knew I wasn't going to need a wheelchair. Well, of course I needed it and I had to come to my senses eventually. Um, And once I did, it was amazing. You know, once I bought like a wheelchair that was custom built just for me. I didn't realize how much easier everything that you have to do in a wheelchair would become. I mean, being in a wheelchair is never easy, but um, it, it made a huge difference. I had this wow moment. And that in combination with all of the support that I was getting from my family and from therapists and from physical therapists really helped me overcome this very difficult situation that I had. Um, but Maybe you're talking about in the middle of it, I had a very black suicidal moment while in the hospital and um, thankfully had the wherewithal to speak up and tell people about that. And I think part of that is because I wasn't necessarily embarrassed by the thoughts. I was already a psychiatrist. I knew kind of what those thoughts meant and I quickly reached out for help. And I would encourage everybody to think that way. If you ever have thoughts about suicide, you don't have to hide them. Um, you can share them with the right people. They will help you work through it. And that's what happened with me.
1: That is incredible that you had that support system. I think a lot of people don't have that support or are afraid to reach out and find out whether or not they have that support. If they open up, if someone's going to be there for them, if they're going to want to support them. And you went through so much. Yeah. and. That is so difficult because when we face trauma, it can be really difficult to push past it. Sometimes we start to feel depressed and hopeless, like you said, and like we're never going to get through it. And after your spinal cord injury, what really helps you to move forward?
0: You know, I mean, support is one thing, of course. I mean, it, um, support and love and all of those things that make you feel worthwhile and more comfortable, those are fantastic. And, you know, when you have a spinal cord injury, when you have any trauma, let's face it, it's not comfortable. And most of us reject discomfort because it's not comfortable, right? But the reality is only uncomfortable people improve. Only uncomfortable people make changes and grow. Sometimes when my patients are struggling with being uncomfortable, um, I remind them that coming to a therapist is a light like, I'm seeing a trainer in a gym. They're gonna ask you to lift some weight. They're never gonna ask you to injure yourself, but you might feel pretty physically sore for a couple of days because your muscles are tired. And therapy is kind of the same thing. What happened with me and helped me move forward when I was feeling pretty desperate and sorry for myself and angry that my life had had this major change was my therapist. Um, He uh, met with me at a spinal cord injury hospital. So that meant all of his patients were just like me. Everybody had had a spinal cord injury. And he continued to follow them often for years sometimes. And what he shared with me was that victims of a spinal cord injury, in his experience, would fall into two groups. Group one, he said, were the people who stayed mad and angry about it and allowed it to caused them to have an unhappy life. And then he said group two were happy people in wheelchairs. Like happy people in wheelchairs. That was, that had to be me. And it was a choice that you just have to make. And he told me that moving forward after a trauma, it's going to be hard no matter what. But part of it is just the decision to do it. And if you look at the word decide, Fran, the word decide comes from the same root as suicide, homicide, decide. It basically means choose one, kill off all the others. So I decided I'm going to be in group two, no matter how hard it is. Somehow I'm going to figure out how to become one of the happy people in a wheelchair. And that's precisely what happened. You know, that's when I decided to buy a wheelchair. That's when I gave up my denial. That's when I started to make the most progress. But it was only after a great deal of denial and resistance and sadness and grief and all of that painful stuff that comes with the major traumatic life-altering event.
1: Wow, that is incredible to know that you had a choice. You did have two choices and that your therapist brought those to your attention and you right away knew you had to be in group two. You had to be a happy person in a wheelchair because the other option was just too painful to live in it every single day and never be able to move forward. So when you were fighting against that acceptance, when did you realize you had to reach that point of acceptance to move forward? And what steps did you
0: take? Well, you know, I think most of it is I realized because I was a psychiatrist, I knew what it looked like to be unhappy all the time because a lot of my patients were struggling with depression or traumas or terrible childhoods, situations that made them unhappy most of the time, which is why they had come to see me to figure out how to change that. And that was me now. I was on the other side of that equation with my own therapist and I realized I needed to work hard. I had to accept some discomfort. I had to accept some compromises. You know, um, we've tossed the term radical acceptance around a lot and I'm sure you're going to talk about that too. But, you know, um, when we talk about accepting something that's happened to you, accepting a trauma, that doesn't mean you have to like it. That doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable or okay with you. you it can, in fact, be very much not okay with you. Yeah. But if it's your reality, you have to come to grips with it and make your peace with it and figure out how you're going to live the richest, best possible life that you can given these new circumstances. And that's what I set my sights on. Um, And after I got out of the hospital, one of the ways that I did it was just to choose activities that I knew brought me joy. Because happiness doesn't happen to you. You create it. One little activity at a time. One little special moment at a time. So I would schedule dinner dates with friends and figure out how to get into the restaurant in a wheelchair or I joined a choir because I was a musician and they found a way to seat me in the choir in the wheelchair. That way I could sing again. And um, little things like that, you know, one after another added up. And that's how I sort of came out of that dark period in my life.
1: That is incredible. And I really love how you brought up that just because you accept something doesn't mean you have to like it. I think a lot of us are afraid to accept our reality and what's happening to us and what we're going through because we don't want that to be our story. We don't want that to be who we are. And we think if we accept it, we're defined by it. And that's it. And that or is way
0: not. To accept it, sometimes people see acceptance as a defeat. Yes. Um, it's a defeat if you don't accept it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it reminds me of you know when uh, Darth Vader said, "Resistance is futile." I mean, when it comes to overcoming a struggle like the one that I went through, resistance is futile. It's only going to make it worse. The injury has happened. The wheelchair has happened. This is the reality of your life. So, I had to be in group two and figure out how am I going to live a happy life in a wheelchair.
1: I absolutely admire your strength and the acceptance that that must have been really hard to find that acceptance day after day, because I imagine there's a lot of moments where there aren't a lot of wheelchair accessible places. I've started to notice that more and more that we don't really make it that comfortable and that easy. And Were there any points where you got really frustrated during that acceptance journey and finding that happiness where it made it difficult?
0: It still happens Fran. You know I think um, when you're dealing with a disability in particular from time to time you were reminded of the limitation like if you were like in my house um, for example I have a garage and a little lift in the garage and it broke well the lift broke which means i can't get out of my house you know so i'm pretty irritated if the elevator breaks or you travel somewhere and they say they're wheelchair accessible but then you get there and there's no bathroom the restaurant's accessible but they don't have a bathroom and people on the phone don't realize that that is kind of a feature to accessibility that is necessary So, you know, I think you just have to learn how to gracefully deal with frustration a lot. I honestly think whether you have had a trauma or a disability or anything, learning how to be frustrated and how to handle frustrations and how to accept frustration and make, you know, changes that you can to overcome the frustration. I think that's a really important aspect of mental health.
1: That is so true because stressors are always going to be there. We're always going to find something that frustrates us. It's impossible to not for that, not to happen. Things happen. Life happens and it's not always going to go the way we want or the way we plan and learning how to deal with that frustration is really key. Correct.
0: I mean, because it's going to keep happening. You know um, my advice for anybody that's struggling right now with a trauma or a major life circumstance, you lose your job, you have an illness, whatever it happens to be, just observe yourself. See if you can just step back and just watch yourself. With And obviously, if you have friends and family, they're going to share feedback with you, that can be helpful. But sometimes we don't want to hear from people when we're upset, you know. So if you just observe yourself, you might notice if you're denying something that's already happened, if you're fighting something that you cannot change, if you're ignoring reality. Once you observe yourself carefully enough, you start to see the reality that happened. And like I said, you don't have to like it. It's probably something painful if you've been struggling with it, right? It's unwelcomed, but it's your reality. And it's not going to change. So you have to practice accepting it. Acceptance doesn't happen like a light switch. Click, oh, I accept it now. That's not how it works. You kind of have to practice acceptance. And my advice to anybody that's struggling with accepting something that might be emotional is to start with just acceptance in your body. Because sometimes we are a lot more comfortable with things that are physical than we are with things that are mental. So even if your mind isn't ready to accept something, see if you can just practice acceptance with your breathing, practice acceptance with your posture, practice acceptance by engaging in activities that make you seem like you're doing better than you are, even if you're not completely there yet. For example, there is a lot of medical literature to support smiling, even when you don't feel it. If you make yourself smile, even when you don't feel it, eventually your brain is going to want to join your body. So practice smiling, even if you're not feeling it, because ultimately that will help. And then last, I, what I did was I began to imagine my life in the wheelchair, even though I had not lived it yet or experienced it yet. I began to imagine what are the behaviors that I am going to want to engage in. And that also helped me to accept my circumstances. So I imagine driving a car again. I'm trying to figure out what's that going to look like? You know, how do I get the wheelchair in the car? I imagine going to restaurants. I imagine visiting my friends. I imagine going to the beach all before I got discharged from the hospital. Uh So just imagining what behaviors you will begin to engage in if you were able to accept kind of gives you a plan if you think about it. You know what you wanna be doing that'll help you get better, help you accept the circumstance um, and help you have a list of activities that you know you like.
1: Wow, that is amazing advice and you hit so many important points. First of all, that mind-body connection. We often forget how strong that is and when you force yourself to smile. It can feel so difficult at first. I'm that person who smiles through everything. And people are like, why are you smiling? Why are you laughing? And I'm like, because if I laugh enough and I smile enough, eventually I'm going to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And it's the better option than feeling so sad and sorry for myself. Because when I get to that point, I can't function. I can't live in that. I get so angry and I scream and I cry and I just don't want to keep going. But when you laugh, when you smile... When you make yourself believe it, over time, you do start to actually believe it, and it's so powerful.
0: I want to say one other, a fine point, though, because I wouldn't want any of our listeners to think that we're suggesting that you not scream and feel sad and get angry. My advice is feel the feelings first, then move on. So you have to embrace those feelings of disappointment, sadness, grief, anger, yell, scream, pound on a desk, and then make, make an effort to smile and see if it helps. Because the truth is, your reality is your reality, and it may not be comfortable.
1: Exactly.
0: You don't have to like it or approve of it, like we've said a few times, but if you Resist it. And if you deny it, you're not going to get to a place where you can accept it and then accommodate it and be flexible and be adaptable. Uh, That's an important part of being resilient is learning how to roll, you know,
1: (laughs) exactly and that's such a great point you brought up because you do need to feel your feels and never hold it all inside it is so painful to hold it all inside and it's going to come out in a different way in a way that you don't want it to in a way that you don't mean for it so it's so important to feel your feels and Mm -hmm. then find coping mechanisms that work for you like you said imagining your life that way and then all the things that made you happy, like dinner parties with your friends and singing in the chorus, finding those coping mechanisms that help you feel better and that help you adjust.
0: Yes. Oh, and I'll tell you, you know, you're going to feel stuck from time to time. That's just what happens. We all get stuck and mad and sad and can't seem to think our way out. I have a great little exercise that I'm very fond of that involves one piece of paper. Draw a line down the middle of it and just list the pros and cons of a decision that you're making. So I'll use my wheelchair, for example. You know, I have been renting a wheelchair for 11 months because I was in denial that I was going to need one. So my therapist recommended this little exercise to me. Do the pros and cons of that decision. Well, You know, the cons are it's expensive. I'm not learning how to use my own wheelchair. It's heavy. It's a hospital chair. It's all of these things that are not very easy. And the pros of my own wheelchair are it's lightweight. It's faster. It's easier to operate. It's kind of fun. And, you know, all these things that I realized I can do different things with my own wheelchair so if you get stuck and you're just not sure what to do next, try pros and cons, examining a decision that, you're, that you've made, and you'll see what the pros of your decision are, what the cons of your decision are. And sometimes it's going to help you get unstuck because you're going to find new behaviors that you had not thought of.
1: That is really great advice because when you write it out, you learn more about it. When it's all in your head, it can be really confusing. Yes. And you can't always see the pros because your mind tends to go
0: towards those intrusive
1: thoughts. Right. So writing it down is so helpful.
0: Or talking it out loud. I mean, you know, I'm going to show my age here, for Fran, but um, maybe you are familiar with Star, Star Trek. Yeah. you remember Star Trek? Okay. So do you remember Mr. Spock? Yes. So Mr. Spock was this Vulcan and he would do this hand thing like this, right? And then sometimes he would put his hand on someone's shoulder and you would hear this and Mr. Spock would extract the thoughts of the person he was touching. And by knowing what they were thinking, he could predict how they might behave and how they might feel. That was called the Vulcan mind meld. And that is Vulcan technology that human beings do not have what's the technology that human beings have for knowing what they're thinking? Language. When you speak it or write it down, it becomes a thought that you're aware of. And once you're aware of the thought, you can change the thought. But writing it down is really important. That's why journaling helps people because they see things in their thoughts that they hadn't really realized were messing with them. That's why seeing a therapist and talking out loud can help. Um, I talk to myself, quite honestly, from time to time if I'm struggling. And sometimes just by doing that, I have like this aha moment, you know, just from talking.
1: You know, I talk to myself, too. And most people think it's really like crazy and weird. And I'm like, but I sometimes I need someone to talk to and my therapist isn't available. And you might, people around me might not understand because mental health isn't as prevalent to them and something that they know how to answer. And I can give them a list of statements to use, supportive and validation statements, but if it's not in front of them, they don't know how to respond. So talking to myself and answering myself with that support, with that validation, paying attention to what I'm actually feeling is so helpful. And I couldn't recommend that enough. And journaling, like you said, changed my life. I do 6.15 a.m. journaling. That's when I wake up. Before I look at my phone, before I have coffee, before I do anything and write down those like first thoughts. And I learned so much about myself. I didn't even know there were things I was so mad about or hurt by. There's yep. so much power in journaling.
0: And, you know, every time I recommend journaling to someone, often it seems a little intimidating because it, it feels like a practice that, they're, you know, they're, I'm not going to be good at or I have time for. I'm very fond of the one page journal. Every day, one sheet of paper that's all. You can fill it if you want to or not, but no more than one page. And you'd be surprised what you can learn from one page of writing every day.
1: That is amazing. I've never tried doing the one page, but I think I might try that because sometimes I'm like, wow, I just wrote for an hour and it's a lot. It's a lot to comprehend and process, but that one page can help to be so much more
0: clear. It also kind of like, you know, The one-page journaling technique, for me anyway, when I do it, I think the most important stuff kind of bubbles up to the top. So you get to work faster.
1: (laughs) That is true. So we've talked a lot about perseverance and radical acceptance, and I think a lot of people don't know when it's time to accept their fate and when it's time to keep fighting, so, how do you think mm-hmm. people can learn that boundary of when to keep going, when to keep fighting, and when to accept and start learning how to cope and move forward?
0: That's a that's an excellent question. And I think it has to do with whether or not your impression of reality is accurate. Yeah. If you are fighting something like I was fighting the wheelchair and my physical therapist, my occupational therapists, and my doctors and my nurses were all telling me, hey, Peter, you're gonna need a wheelchair. And I was fighting it and saying, no, that's a kind of denial. Mm-hmm. So that would not be the time to persevere. That's the time to accept and give in, right? Without judgment. I think that's an important part of radical acceptance. Just this is my reality. I don't have to like it. But if I judge it or if I judge myself, I'm going to make the situation that's already difficult worse. Yeah. So perseverance, on the other hand, is that mindful, hard work that we have to do to overcome something. But it does have to be based in fact. So, you know, um, That's why I say observe yourself if what you observe is a narrative of a story that you like, uh, even though it's not true, probably not going to help you get anywhere. I say that a lot about fake news today when we a lot of people watch certain stations and we know the news is fake. Um, It's like saccharin. We eat it because it tastes good, but everybody knows it's bad for you.
1: Exactly.
0: So pay attention to whether it's fake. If it's fake, don't keep eating it because it's going to be bad for you in the long run. Um, But sometimes that takes time to get there. Don't ever let anybody rush you. Um, Take your time, but try to observe yourself to the extent that you can to be factual in what you're thinking.
1: That is amazing advice. And I always said like acceptance is one and perseverance is another, but there is a point where acceptance and perseverance go together because when you accept, you're able to persevere more. That's right, and that is so powerful.
0: You, you know, the minute you accept something and you realize, okay, this is bad, this is uncomfortable, but you know, the truth is, it could be worse. I could not learn how to live in a wheelchair. I could stay alone all day long in my house and not see people and feel sorry for myself and be angry and sad and depressed because I had this accident for the rest of my life. Ooh. Impossible for me. I, ha- I knew I had to fight that. that... But it does come down, it does come down to, re- to, to facts. You know, anxiety, for example, anxiety is fiction. We make it up. Stress, on the other hand, is real. Trauma, accidents, losing something important, losing someone important. That is stressful. It is real. That's not anxiety. So just pay attention, observe yourself, try to filter. Okay, what am I making up? What's not true? And what are the facts? And once you get that down, sometimes life becomes a lot easier to negotiate.
1: That is so true. There's a difference between facts and what we're making up and telling ourselves. We tell ourselves the worst things. We are such critics of ourselves. And it is so hard to tune out that voice in our heads. And it's so normal. And I think a lot of people feel that something's wrong with them for having those thoughts and no one else has those thoughts because they're doing so well. They're pushing through their life. Looks so great. I'm alone. I'm the only one having those thoughts and that can feel so lonely. Do you have any advice for someone who is really struggling with the intrusive thoughts in their head and not knowing what's real and what is just a thought in their head that's hurting them? What advice could you offer them?
0: I am going to tell you, my advice is going to come in the title of a book. A really good friend of mine has written this book. I have shared it with everyone I know. One year, I put this book in everybody's Christmas stocking because it was so good. And the book is called Taming Your Gremlin by Richard Carson. It's a short little thing But it's all about those thoughts that we are having that are like gremlins that do not want us to be happy. And it really starts with just noticing them. The minute you notice that you're having these negative thoughts, you can decide which ones are true or not. Just because you're thinking them doesn't make them true. But you do have to notice them. Speaking. Writing helps you notice, but the gremlin is not something you can kill. You use the word having these negative thoughts is normal. We're all going to have it. Notice the title of the book is not killing off your gremlin. Can't do it. You have to tame those gremlin thoughts. You tame that monster that lives inside of you that doesn't want you to be happy. Once you learn how to do that, you have a lot of power.
1: Yes, you do. And on that note, Dr. Perry, you have been absolutely amazing, full of insight, full of just this burst of helpfulness and listening to you makes me want to learn more about myself. makes me want to learn where to accept and how to persevere through. And I think a lot of people can relate to that by listening to you. So thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you. I hope that some of your listeners will follow me. I am at perry.mandanis.md on Instagram. And I look forward to meeting some people um, in the future.